Party in Montana, the Republican Party in Montana, as well as nationally, that just bought into that. Well, I don't know if they ever agreed with it completely or not, but they didn't have the courage to stand up to it. And so we saw the Republican Party successfully taken over by this demagogue. Welcome to MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was Bob Brown, a Montana statesman who recently declared independence from the GOP after decades of public service. We'll hear more from Mr. Brown in a moment. Joining me, as always, are political director Jake Brown and Helena, no relation, by the way, Whitney Tani in Bozeman, and Clara Stein with me here in Billings. Political debates, botched newspaper endorsements, fake drop boxes. Where do we start this week, gang? How about with public lands foe William Perry Penley? Remember, a federal judge removed Penley from his role as acting director of the Bureau of Land Management last month. The judge said that Mr. Penley served unlawfully in that capacity for more than 400 days because he was never confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Now, Mr. Penley is taking to media outlets in his home state of Wyoming to try to clear things up. You decide how he's doing. I have to say that I've never been acting director. I have been a deputy director of policy and program since uh, July the 15th, 2019, when I took the job. And what that means is that I'm the political appointee at the Bureau of Land Management. I report to the secretary through the assistant secretary. But as you probably realize, uh, Congress uh, is in charge of our federal lands, our public lands. Congress delegates its power to the secretary. And then the secretary delegates his power to the bureau heads. And uh, one of the powers that I was... uh, delegated was the power to, quote, exercise the authority of the director. At the end of the day, candidly, as you realize, and everybody realizes, somebody's got to sign the paperwork. That was William Perry Penley himself speaking to Wyoming Public Radio's Cooper McKim this week. So the guy who signs the paperwork at the BLM claims he's not the unlawful acting director a federal judge says that he is? Yeah. Well, Cooper McKim had some questions about that, too. But for now... The, the way you see it is that you're still effectively in charge. <laughs> uh, I'm still deputy director for policy and programs, doing what the deputy director for policy and programs does. And uh, that's uh, provide leadership in managing the Bureau of Land Management. Got that? William Perry Penley says he's the deputy director for policy and programs, doing what the deputy director of policy and programs does, which is providing leadership and managing the Bureau of Land Management. Well, Mr. Penley, as a fellow Wyoming native, I call that bureaucrat swamp speak for acting director. So that's what we're going to call you. Clara Stein, what else has Mr. Penley been saying? Mr. Penley has shown no sign of yielding power of the Bureau since Judge Brian Morris's ruling late last month. In fact, Penley told an audience in Wyoming last week that the decision, quote, has no impact, no impact whatsoever on his work with the BLM. Mr. Penley has made it clear that the only approval he's concerned with is that of President Trump, who continues to stand by his conservation foe's unconstitutional appointment. This week's nomination hearing of Judge Amy Coney Barrett dominated headlines, and if there's one takeaway to sum it all up, it's that Judge Barrett refused to answer any and all questions that would indicate or presume controversial policy positions. But Jake Brown, that position is contrary to what Senator Steve Daines claimed in the latest U.S. Senate debate. That's right, Murph. Judge Barrett did not commit to any policy positions, claiming that doing so would be inappropriate. So it was kind of a head-scratcher when Senator Daines did that for her. Justice Barrett will protect Montana's Second Amendment rights 
She will also ensure that she will stand up against these radical environmental groups that have shut down timber projects, shut down the Keystone Pipeline, which by the way, the judge that shut down the Keystone Pipeline is a judge that Steve Bullock supported and put on the bench, Brian Morris. He stopped the Keystone Pipeline. Explain that to Montanans with $80 million of tax revenues coming in, $23 million of property taxes as well. This is an existential threat to the future of Montana, having these liberal judges shutting down our jobs and our natural resource industry. That was a very agitated Steve Daines going after Governor Steve Bullock in their third and final debate of this election season last Saturday, hosted by the Montana Television Network. Ironically, Governor Bullock responded with the same language Judge Barrett had been using all week during her hearing on Capitol Hill. At the end of the day, and even as he talks about these liberal judges, judges shouldn't be liberal or conservative. Judges should leave their politics at the door in the courthouse. And all Senator Daines is concerned about is trying to get more judges on that will take away our health care. Montanans expect much, much more than Senator Daines. Governor Bullock and Senator Daines continue to exchange barbs throughout the debate, with Daines continuing to try and paint Governor Bullock as someone who he's not. Bullock never stopped pushing back, at one point saying that Montanans want a leader, not a laptop, in reference to Danes avoiding a question about the Republican Party suing to prevent mail-in voting. The debate covered a range of issues from health care, the pandemic, economic recovery, and also climate change. Governor Bullock, our next question uh, about climate change. The energy secretary was in Montana last week visiting Coal Strip, talking about carbon capture technology, but really... At no time was climate change really discussed. What climate change initiatives will you support uh, as senator? And do you think carbon capture technology is the saving grace of the coal strip power plants that are currently listed third largest polluter of CO2 in the nation? Yeah, I do think that carbon capture is part of the overall discussion. That's why I've actually led a group of 17 states, Democrats and Republicans, to look into this along the way. Look, Montanans know that we have to address climate change. Our fire seasons are longer. Our planting seasons are longer. That's why we have actually both doubled the wind, quadrupled our solar. And we're still one of the nation's top coal producers along the way. This can be a bipartisan issue, though. And Democrats and Republicans need to come together. And unfortunately, that Senator Daines has had his head in his sand and hands in the pockets of the corporate donors all the way along, not even acknowledging the climate changes impacted by human beings. I think that has more to do with a million dollars that he's gotten from the oil and gas industry than reflecting the needs of Montanans. Senator Daines did say that he believes there's a human component to climate change. That was a first for us, but listen for yourself. It was pretty much a throwaway line, and you can do that by clicking on the link in our show notes. The Missoulian, Missoula's newspaper of record, had a rough week. Last Sunday, the paper's editorial board surprised everyone and endorsed Republican Jennifer Fielder for the Public Service Commission in District 4. Within hours of the endorsement, the Missoulian's editor, Gwen Florio, resigned. After public outcry, the Missoulians' editorial board reversed their decision the next day and endorsed MCV's candidate Monica Turnell for the PSC, stating, and I quote, 
The Missoulian determined that it failed to give proper weight to Fielder's connection with groups such as the Coalition of Western Property Owners and the Bundy family that led an armed takeover of a wildlife refuge in 2016. She also recently helped spread baseless rumors about Antifa supposedly traveling to Missoula to foment violence at Black Lives Matter protests, which encouraged militia-style groups to attend those protests. At MCV, we've known Fielder is a threat to our Montana way of life. As the CEO of the American Lands Council, she advocates for the sell-off of our public lands and has advocated for a federal land transfer as a state senator. Fielder also has a 16% lifetime score with MCV from her service in the legislature and earned a spot on LCV's Victory Fund's 2020 Dirty Dozen in the state's list. Monica Trunell, on the other hand, is a conservation champion who has represented renewable energy companies, and she worked at the PSC as a staff attorney. You can hear her conversation with us on Season 1, Episode 6 of MCV Cast. In national news, the California GOP has been caught setting up fake ballot drop-off boxes all over the state. The drop-off boxes are labeled as official and virtually identical to the official drop-off boxes administered by the state which are also subject to laws preventing partisan manipulation. The GOP drop-off boxes, because they're masked as official, could lead to election fraud charges for the state party. This news is an important reminder that nefarious forces are at work to suppress and confuse voters in this election. We've seen these same forces at work here in Montana, with the Montana GOP actually breaking the law to try to place the Green Party on the ballot or suing to prevent the state from using mail-in voting during a global pandemic. Very wealthy special interests are spending millions of dollars just to prevent people from voting. And the best way that we can push back is by doing everything we can to make sure our ballots get counted. You can always check your ballot status on your My Voter page, which the link is below in the show notes, or by calling your local elections office if you have any questions. Last week on MCV Cast, we reported on a surprising announcement from former Montana Governor Mark Roscoe, a popular Republican who went on to serve a couple years as chairman of the Republican National Committee. This month, Governor Roscoe said this on the public radio program Homeground with host Brian Kahn. I'll be voting for Joe Biden for president. The reason I'm doing that, Brian, is that I'm not going to march lockstep with him every step of the way or with the administration. I'll have disagreements, I'm certain. But at the end of the content of a man's character or a woman's character to serve in that capacity is more important than any other issue that I have to uh, consider as a matter of conscience. The public support against Donald Trump seems to be a growing theme as we count down toward Election Day. In July, another prominent Montanan declared his independence from the grand old party, and we are honored to have him here as this week's guest. Bob Brown has a long resume of public service to the state of Montana. First elected to the Montana legislature in 1970 as a Republican, he served in the Montana Senate for nearly two decades. He also served as Montana's Secretary of State from 2001 through 2004 when he ran for governor. Mr. Brown currently serves on the board of the Montana Historical Society 
and served as a fellow at the University of Montana. He joins us from his home in Whitefish. Mr. Brown, thanks for joining MCVCast. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to join you. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspectives on the current state of politics in Montana, but want to start by asking a bit more about your very distinguished career in public service in Montana. What do you consider to be the highlight and why? Well, I think probably if it's a piece of legislation you're talking about, the Lakeshore Protection Act was a was a good one because it has a lasting effect. You know, we're always, always going to be concerned about the quality of our lakeshore and uh, that we keep it in as natural a state as we possibly can. And I think that legislation is an important step in that direction. It's going to long outlive me, that's for sure. And then just the fact that I had a front row seat on the policy making of the state of Montana for the 26 years I served in the legislature is a kind of a, I guess, an important memory in itself. And it gave me an opportunity to, to weigh in on what I think about important things uh, for over a quarter of a century. And so I think my fingerprints are on a fair amount of legislation that passed the legislature or was defeated in the legislature. Yeah, you uh, served all that time before the term limits went into effect. So yeah, that's right. I know your fingerprints are, are all over some important policy for this state. In July, you you wrote a statewide newspaper column, and it was titled "My Declaration of Independence." And you wrote, "I'm quoting here: For over 70 years, I've considered myself a Republican, but after watching Trump's consistently ignorant and irresponsible leadership, I've concluded, in good conscience, I cannot remain a member of the party he has taken over." What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, I just think his manifest ignorance and carelessness about the right thing or the intelligent thing to do is extreme self-centeredness. And we had leaders in our party in Montana, the Republican Party in Montana, as well as nationally, that just bought into that. Well, I don't know if they ever agreed with it completely or not, but they didn't have the courage to stand up to it. And so we saw the Republican Party successfully taken over by this demagogue. And I, I just couldn't stand that. I thought, isn't there a few of you that have the guts to stand up to him? Well, John McCain did to some extent, but sure nobody in Montana did. And, you know, I was deeply disappointed by that. I thought, for one thing, I think this had been brewing in the Republican Party for a long time. The Tea Party is an example of how people seem to be angry. They seem to be wanting to lash back at the establishment and uh, that centered more in the Republican Party than it did in the Democrat Party. But there seems to be a lot of frustration in the country today with the status quo. And I think the best way to solve the problems that the people have is to work through our well-established system, goes back as, as old as the Constitution, because you can fix things and repair things and reform and make things better through that system. It's proven to be capable of doing that. Why do they want to break things? Why do they want to elect a a president who doesn't have a chance of of, uh, of what the Constitution is or means? I doubt if he ever read it. I don't think he ever read a history book. I don't think he has any concept of anything except himself, his money and his perceived political power. And so my party is just going along with that uh, completely. And it had a tendency toward that, I think, probably since the McCarthy era. But it's, it, was, it was beneath the surface. Well, Trump just brought it out in spades, and these guys just acquiesced to it. And I thought, well, 
you know, I want to be someone who's critical of Trump. I want somebody who is to be able to fight against Trump and to try to win our country back again. And I'm sure not going to be able to do that within and through the Republican Party. And so I thought, well, the best thing I can do then at this point in my life is to become an independent so I can feel perfectly free not to be bound by any kind of party loyalty, but to just do and say what I think. And that's what I've been doing, and it's been liberating. I've enjoyed it. Well, on behalf of a lot of Montanans, we appreciate your your courage. Were, were there any surprises after that column went to press? Any uh, unexpected blowback or, or responses? Well, I think the modern Republicans had labeled me as a rhino for a while, probably even years, a Republican in name only. And that was to take my credibility away within the Republican Party. And so, you know, I'd come to accept that. And there wasn't really anything more than that that happened on the critical side. I don't think there were a lot of people on the modern day Republican side who were greatly surprised by it. But I did get some pats on the back from some Democrats and some other independents. But I I didn't do it, you know, for any reason like that. I just did it because I wanted to feel totally free and totally honest and not traitorous to anybody to say what I think. And I couldn't say what I thought if I continued to hold myself out as a Republican in this day and age. Yeah, we just heard from former Governor Mark Roscoe on the show, who said the character of the President of the United States is, quote, more important than any other issue, and for him, a matter of of conscience. Um, Have you spoken with Governor Roscoe? It it seems you have similar reasons. Yeah, I keep somewhat in contact with him. Uh, It's infrequent, and and especially now with the the virus. He told me that uh, his lifestyle now is like he's a member of the -the hole-in-the-wall gang. (laughs) <laughs> and he and I are pretty much two peas in a pod. When he was governor, I was president of the state senate, and we were staunch allies. We just see things the same way. It's not so much a case of practical politics. We just seem to automatically see things in the same way. Would love to talk about the current state of politics in Montana. What is your assessment, Mr. Brown, of where we find ourselves today? Any thoughts on the record-breaking races for U.S. Senate, for example, or or governor, or U.S. House of Representatives? Well, Montana is a relatively small population state, and so it's easy to buy advertising in Montana. And that's one of the reasons you see these phenomenal advertising records that we seem to be setting, at least for the U.S. Senate. And uh, so that isn't anything really new, but it's since politics has become more partisan and with less compromise in it than these Senate races to determine, for example, which party gets the majority in the U.S. Senate seem to be just all or nothing things, you know, with very little compromise. The, the nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett for uh, Supreme Court justice is assumed widely to just simply be a party line vote. Is she going to be confirmed? Well, that's not even really a question because there are a majority of Republicans in the U.S. Senate that will vote to confirm her and the Democrats will vote, well, in the minority against confirming her. And reason and logic and argumentation and these other things that should be the the voting considerations really aren't. So if you've got a, a state out here that's relatively inexpensive to buy, both and, and it looks somewhat competitive, then both political parties are going to really pour the money into it in order to pick up the seat. But uh, And I think that's greatly unfortunate, but that's what's going on around the country. And in my opinion, 
Trump has poured gasoline on that fire. Most unfortunate. Hmm. You know what? There could well be a realignment of political parties in the country and in Montana. Clear back in the 1930s, there was a communist element. I mean, real communists, not not as the modern-day Republicans would characterize Joe Biden. These were Joe Stalin communists. And they had their leader was a guy who went by the moniker Red Flag Taylor, and he was a member of the state senate. They had they had all the county offices, I believe, in Roosevelt County and some of them in Daniels County and so on, up in the northeastern corner of the state. So what finally happened in I think 1932, a very democratic year, is the members of the two established political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, got together. And they formed their own political party. It wasn't officially. They didn't have a name for it or anything. But they got together, openly collaborated with each other. And combined, they defeated the communists. And so I don't know what is in our future, but it could be something like that. It could be that old-fashioned Republicans like me might get together with the Democrats in some kind of a coalition to take Montana back from the Tea Party Trump Republicans, and that could happen in other states as well. I think it would be a very positive thing if it did happen. Well, that kind of gets after my next question, which was how to try to bridge the partisan divide that's just cutting straight through this country. What do you think it will take to get us to that point? Well, developing a trust relationship is a risky thing because you have to hand your heart to the person that you're trying to work out that relationship with. And it requires some courage to do that. But I think that's what's got to happen. Every issue, it seems, that comes up now in Congress and in the state legislature is a die on the hill kind of a thing. Well, in our system of government, there's been a tremendous amount of give and take of being broad-minded and the willingness to work things out. Really, the system can't work. Our government can't work. Our civilization can't work if there isn't a recognition that the other guy isn't all wrong and I'm not necessarily all right. And in good faith, with trust on both sides, there's got to be a way of negotiating these things. But if you decide you want to enter into a trust relationship with somebody else, you've got to risk that he'll double-cross you just like he has to risk he'll double-cross him. And that's where we've gotten to. And we need to get back to the old days when Mike Mansfield and Everett Dirksen could sit down and have lunch together frequently and talk stuff over. And that used to be the case in the state legislature. I have many, many examples of that. One of the few people who is a person from that era who understands politics more or less like I do is Mike Cooney, who's the Democratic candidate for governor this year. But, but I have high hopes. Honestly, I do. I think that what's going on now isn't sustainable. And I think our old constitutional system uh, the one that was established back in 1789 and the, and the one that's always endured in Montana can last, has lasted, and, and will, will rise again. I think that will happen because it has to happen. That, that kind of jumps ahead to one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which is especially for a lot of Montanans who may be young and who might unfortunately believe their votes don't count, What's your message to them? So regardless of their political party affiliation, what would you tell them that you are most hopeful about? Well, I can see how they'd be skeptical and jaded now. If you take some someone who's just beginning to vote now, that's pretty much all they've seen is this, this tendency more and more toward negativity and control and that sort of thing. But young people tend to be optimistic. 
young people have their whole lives ahead of them. And I think that our best hope really in this day and age is in our young people. And I think it's a good thing we have lots of them. I think they've caught on to Trump, according to polling, better than their parents and grandparents have. And they don't have the perspective to realize who he is and what he's doing, as their parents and grandparents have, and still seem to, in many, many cases, be going along with him. Incomprehensible to me. But I think our hope for our future uh, is with our young people. And I think uh, the survival instinct on the part of the rest of us hopefully will lead enough older voters and older citizens to realize this isn't getting us anyplace. This playing footsie with dictators and a myriad of things that Trump seems to be doing that aren't in the tradition of our country or our democracy. And older people certainly ought to be old enough and wise enough to see that and realize that. Hmm. Final question. We'd be remiss not to note uh, the Secretary of State's race between State Senator Bryce Bennett and Christy Jacobson. And in full disclosure, the MCV Action Fund has endorsed Senator Bennett. But we're curious to, to know what advice do you have for whomever wins that particular election? Well, I, I support Bennett also. Uh, I'm supporting several Democrats openly in this election cycle. Uh, I think Bennett is a sound, independent thinker, and I think he will bring a a breath of fresh air back into the Secretary of State's office. I think our current Secretary of State, Corey Stapleton, has not been a good one. I think he's been intensely political, and instead of doing his job, he's been running for other offices and so forth. And I think Bennett, I don't know what how ambitious he is, but I think he has a good heart, and I think he's going to uh, follow policies that will be important in that important office. And I'd say my advice to them it wouldn't be as necessary for Bennett as it would be for Jacobson. Because I think J Jacobson and her administration have uh, not appreciated the, the wisdom and the competence of local election administrators. But I think Bennett will. And I've had this talk with him. And he agrees it's important to be able to work well with the people that your office is really dependent on. It's a symbiotic relationship. The Secretary of State's got to be able to work well with the local election administrators, just like they have to work well with him or her. That's an important piece of advice. The Secretary of State also serves on the land board, as I know you know well. And I think Bennett will be a, a good influence and a good voice on the land board as well. Bob Brown, thank you for your service and your courage and your hopeful words and for spending a few moments with us. Well, thank you, Aaron. It's been a wonderful opportunity. The views of our guests on MCVCast do not necessarily reflect the views of Montana Conservation Voters, its staff, or its board of directors. And our thanks to Mr. Brown for joining us. Earlier, we played a clip of Governor Mark Roscoe speaking with Home Grounds' Brian Kahn. That episode is worth a listen, and there's a link to it in our show notes. In campaign news, Governor Bullock just announced an insane fundraising haul. In the most recent fundraising quarter, the Bullock campaign announced raising $27 million, absolutely shattering all other fundraising records that we've had in the state. To give this number some more perspective, this is more than Senator Tester raised in his entire re-election campaign last cycle. This brings Governor Bullock's total fundraising haul to $38 million. Steve Daines has raised $13 million so far. 
The best part about this incredible fundraising news, not a penny of it came from corporate PACs. Earlier this week, the U.S. Supreme Court decided to allow the Trump administration to end the U.S. Census early, on October 15th. The census period was initially extended to October 31st in order to accommodate challenges the coronavirus pandemic imposed on getting historically undercounted communities access to census information. This ruling is especially frustrating for Montanans as it jeopardizes the possibility of gaining another seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. Senator John Tester denounced the court's ruling and has proposed a Senate bill to extend the census period, stating every Montanan needs to be counted because funding for our schools, hospitals, emergency services, even a second congressional seat hangs in the balance. Congress must step in and prevent this abuse of executive power. Also this week, Montana's eight tribal nations met in front of the state capitol for a permanent flag raising on the newly constructed Tribal Flag Plaza, which was approved in the legislature in 2019. This is a step forward in recognizing the diversity of our state and those who came before us. Hey, we can make a change if we try. Don't you want your family to be good when you die? And on that note, today we leave you with another message of hope. On Indigenous Peoples Day, Salish and Kootenai rapper Foreshadow debuted his song, We Can Make a Change, featuring Res Boy, Young Vin, and MCV's endorsed candidate for auditor, Shane Marjot. We love this Native Strong message, and we hope you do too. They told you any different, yeah, they itching to win. I'm voting Marjot on the ballot, cause he bout what he says. And if you don't speak up, how you supposed to get fed? We fought state to state in 62 with the feds. For this right, we gon' fight. We gon' make a change if we try.